Thanks for listening to the Benefits Breakdown. Stay tuned until the end of the episode to receive a code for SHRM credit. Now, enjoy the episode. Hello, hello, and welcome to another episode of the Benefits Breakdown. I'm Vanessa Longnecker here with... Hey, everybody. Jared Bokut's back. Hey, everybody. Adam Compton. Excited to be here. Happy day, Vanessa and Jared. Hope you're doing well and wanted to jump in and we're going to introduce Powell Brown, our CEO of Brown & Brown. Good afternoon, everybody. Happy to be here. Welcome, Powell. We are excited to have you here. We clearly have lots we could talk about today and thankful for the opportunity for you to share your leadership perspectives with our listeners again in 2023. To start, we'd simply love to have you say a quick hello to our customers, teammates, and partners tuning in and allow you to extend a few personal thoughts on the business climate we're collectively operating in this year. Thanks, Vanessa. Um, It's great to be here again uh, and share some ideas with everybody. One, I think it's a very interesting time in the global economic situation for a couple reasons. One, interest rates have been going up and we are still not seeing that impact businesses as I would have thought it would up to this point. So when we go out to a restaurant, the restaurants are still full. Um, People are starting to change their purchasing habits in terms of just looking at data and and supermarket sales and what's being sold versus what used to be purchased versus what's being purchased now. Um, but it's, it's a very interesting dynamic. I believe that the, the central banks, including the Federal Reserve, will continue to try to inch up interest rates at least another 25 basis points. Um, the dynamics here in the United States are kind of unique with the, the bank situations and the banks that came under pressure um, obviously were different types of banks typically than your typical community bank. So they had some unique dynamics associated with them. But all said, I would tell you that I think the operating environment is pretty good. Um, obviously, we watch uh, as an organization any geopolitical things around the world that could somehow impact directly or impact or indirectly. Um, where we do business or how we do business. Um, But I'm an optimist, but I'm also a realist. So that's what I'd start with. No, thanks, Powell. We appreciate the insight. Powell, we have continued to grow as an organization. We're up over 15,000 teammates, which is exciting. We love it. We love that we're continuing to grow. We work with and serve clients of all shapes and sizes and different industries and different focuses. We would love for you to share your insight and perspective on a CEO's thoughts on employee benefits and what a focus may be and how you feel like they can be used for an employer's advantage to recruit and retain talent. I think we focus so much on so many different things. We forget sometimes that these benefits are there to recruit and retain talent and would love your perspective on that. Sure. Uh, First thing, Jared, is we think of the greatest asset in any organization, but in our organization would be our teammates. So talent, how do we uh, attract it? How do we attract people? How do we recruit and develop those people? How do we retain those people and launch them and make them even more successful than they even think they could be? So that's our aspirations, number one. Number two, um, we think that employee benefits are part of the entire package. And what I mean by that is when we talk at 
at our at Brown and Brown, we talk about health kind of very broadly. We talk about health as physical health, mental health, which we call brain health, spiritual health, and financial health. And we believe that the core of those four items is the employee benefits platform that we provide. And so every employer uh, of every size or shape is always going to be conflicted with the desire to provide the very best benefits with the ability to afford and deliver those best benefits. And so there's puts and takes. We all know that. Um, in one of those areas that we as an organization have thought a lot about is in the brain health area. As I said, I use the term brain health as opposed to mental health. And we started talking about that before the pandemic. So we've tried to make it um, safe or safer, if that's the right term, uh, to talk about. And so if you're not able to talk to the person you work directly with, then we want to have people available that you can talk to. And we continue to improve that offering. And I think that that's a really important thing that we think a lot about. And I believe lots of other employers of all sizes are thinking about that a lot today as well. I want to share what I felt like was an awesome experience that I had with, with a, a teammate that, that came in to visit with me and had some concerns. And they were a teammate on my team. And I love that I could talk to him about, hey, our CEO cares about that. And because of that, we have all these amazing resources at your disposal to help take care of your brain health. And I was able to pull out our Brown and Brown mobile benefits app. And I was able to show this teammate some of those awesome resources that we put a focus on to have them come back a couple of weeks later and talk about the impact that that had on their life. That is, that's, that's an awesome, awesome experience as a leader to be able to see that with a teammate but to know that our organization cares and that it's pushed from the top down, I think has a huge impact on the lives of our teammates. And I think other organizations are starting to focus on that. Uh, and if they're not, they need to be. Well, I think it's a constant conversation too. It's in, in the scheme of communications, just kind of elevate that a bit further. It's the first thing that we see that we see when we log into that site, crisis hotline and mental health and well-being. Uh, I think it's consistent, Powell. I would say, if comfortable to say every few weeks when we get to hear from your message, is brain health, I think, pretty much on every message. So I think that consistency mm -hmm. creates that conversation. And so it seems like that's just a heavy, I mean, it's an investment, but it's also just the right thing to do. But how do you justify that from a business perspective? And flipping that to got to make the right decisions for the organization while balancing the people culture aspect in either an ROI or VOI. Does that something that comes up often or how do you view that? Well, it's interesting you ask, Adam. Um, first of all, the fact that we've been talking about brain health actively for the last four years, um, we have seen the utilization of our resources that we provide to teammates go up. So in the near term, there is an increase in cost. However, we believe that that is a fraction of the potential cost if it were not treated. So is there a way to have a true ROI on that? Um, the answer is no, you can't. I haven't come up with a way to come, you know, figure it out through a, just in a, a mathematical equation. But what I would tell you is this, what Jared said, that example I know of, and that plays out 
across our organization very frequently. And I would tell you that I talk to the group, as you all know, typically every two weeks in a short recorded message. And inevitably, when I talk about brain health on those messages, I get one or two emails from teammates around the world that talk about how much they either appreciate it or how their lives have been impacted positively by a resource that we've provided, or more importantly, not just for them personally, but for a child. And in my opinion, that makes me feel really good um, because I feel a responsibility, as you do, all the three of you, um, a great responsibility for all of our teammates. And so um, there is not a perfect calculation in the near term on how much we spend on uh, brain health resources and how much we save. But I would start with this. In 2019, I stood in front of 2,000 people at a sales conference for Brown & Brown, and I said that we'd had three people in the prior 12 months take their own lives, three teammates. And I knew or knew of two of them. And that is three too many. And so that's why we started uh, talking about brain health and when we started talking about brain health and raising not only awareness, but money for brain health. Uh, I think we got to apply it to ourselves first. So it's kind of interesting because prior to the pandemic, we hired in, in one of our larger businesses, two doctors. And one of those doctors, coincidentally, has a background in infectious diseases and had worked at the CDC, just purely, you know, a freak, you know, accident or not accident, just coincidence. And the other one is a psychiatrist with a specialization in children. Uh, and so they work on our population health teams with many of you directly or indirectly, but they also, we worked very closely with them together internally during the pandemic. So they've helped shape the offerings that we consider and implement at Brown and Brown as well. That's an excellent, excellent point. And it's one that obviously we pull on as a resource, I would say, you know, many times over. It's one thing, however, and I think you've articulated really well, right? We have many employers we partner with, all shapes, sizes, all different industries, and every single one of them would say that this matters to them in some way, shape, or form. But I will say what we witness and what you've described here and we feel every day is still unique in the marketplace. And I think it is that leadership first mentality that you deploy. And I would encourage others, this lens of a, a CEO to really think about the impact that message does play right in their organization. It's one thing to have many resources. It's another from a leadership down perspective to speak about those on the regular with literally every interaction you have with our teammates. So thank you for that, Powell. And we're, we're blessed by that, I know, as an organization. Thank you. I, I would tell you this. Um, it's not a me, it's a we. But, Absolutely. But we have, as an organization, embraced it. And if, in fact, the leader, the CEO, or the senior leadership team doesn't embrace whatever it is you're trying to implement, but brain health, it will not be embraced or it will not get the traction it needs to get. And so most people, 
have known either someone directly or indirectly affected by a uh, a brain health disease, um, not not a terminal disease, but something where they've dealt with anxiety or depression or some variation thereof. And so it's something that most people can relate to. And although some people can't uh, understand it because they don't suffer from it, that's okay. They can understand if their child has it or a spouse or a close friend or a teammate or uh, a partner they work with or whatever the case may be. So it's a big deal to all of us. And it goes back to health. Remember, physical, brain health, spiritual, financial. That's how we kind of think about it at Brown and Brown. Oh, I don't know if you know, Jared actually has a side hustle. So Jared, every now and then on the benefit breakdown, has a question or a discussion around things that we deploy. That's a sample. It ranges 500 to 5,000 employer company. I work with a lot of different and companies. And the things that we do. Yeah. <laughs> It varies, it varies recording to recording. So, But I think it would be, you know, with our audience that ranges from the executive level to finance executives to HR professionals, what does that mean to, and what resources do we deploy that might educate and give to those that are out there? So to the team, and Paul, I'd love you to jump in as well. What things are we seeing that we're deploying as brown and brown? Because I do think we do it really well that we are seeing that it might be a bit different than the marketplace. I think immediately, right, from Paul's perspective, he spoke about it. It's not an I, it's a we. And that absolutely stems down to when we've deployed as an organization, mental health ally training, mm -hmm. right? We have boots on the ground that are very specialty trained around and specialized in how to take and respond to examples like Jared shared, right? How do we identify the right resources? Am I an active listener? That training we've begun deploying with our clients and our, our prospects in the field alike, and it's been received with open arms and really, really great response. But that is what builds that we that Paul speaks to out the gate. Paul, I'd even follow that up with a question. How often is brain health talked about at Brown & Brown with the executive leadership team? Is that something that's ongoing conversation? Is it because I know that it's a, it's a conversation that happens quite often. I'm just curious because, like you mentioned, it has to come from top down to really be effective. Well, I would say there's two conversations that go on kind of simultaneously. There is a discussion actively about health and mental health or brain health is a big part of that. Uh, because, you know, our chief people officer, Julie Turpin, gives us updates on people and, and people know it's important to me. So things bubble up to me typically fairly quickly. So I may have somebody reach out to me who is either experiencing it and hopefully we can get them the help they need quickly. Or we um, somebody tells me about someone who has come forward and said, I need to take some time off or something and we've got them in the right place, and we know that they're safe. So um, it's kind of an ongoing conversation, Jared. You know, one of the things I would tell you, Vanessa had said a couple other things, is we have a teammate resource group, uh, which is uh, based on mental health or brain health. We also have uh, this next month, um, month of May, is Mental Health Awareness Month, and we're having a joint meeting with our two teammate resource groups, Women's Health and Mental Health, and we're having a speaker, a woman. I have not read the book. The book's showing up tomorrow, but I wrote a very compelling book, and there's a Netflix documentary on it called A Brain on Fire. And it's interesting because 
we're very focused on one, um, not only brain health, but women's health. And, you know, some of the things that have come in, come to our attention is how the medical community may not fully respond or appropriately respond to health issues to women. They might attribute it to something other than what it is. And so this is going to kind of bridge those two gaps. And I'm very much looking forward to seeing it. I'm not going to be able to be there. I'm going to watch it. Um, the other thing that I would say is this. In the traditional EAP, um, they have some services. We have been and are continuing to further evaluate, and the services that we would like to provide our teammates are not part of a traditional EAP program. And so I think it's important that any employer of any size has to you know, start to make some decisions around that. And, you know, we've basically laid out some minimum requirements about, you know, what happens if, you know, a family member of a teammate has a problem at nine o'clock on a Friday night. And the answer is we got to be able to get them. We need to have access to appropriate care, um, whether that be emergency medical care or uh, to stabilize someone or something or something more modest until the following week or get them to see a therapist. So I would tell you that um, there is a constant discussion um, between Julie Turpin, our chief people officer, and myself, and several of the other people in the benefits world, not just, you know, like the three of you, but people that are running big businesses for us that are seeing things in different size groups and how are people uh, you know embracing this or are we are we talking a lot about it but because of the cost not as many people are buying it and i'm not i'm not here to try to sell a service to someone the, an extra service or a a product i think part of what we're trying to do is we're in the solutions business and we believe that if you have happy healthy teammates you have a very good start at running a good business. And so we're trying to invest in things that would enable us to do that. So more to come, but we're going to be implementing some more things that'll be sort of notching it up a bunch, you know, several things. So I just think it's important that you know that. I'm going to do something we don't always do on benefits breakdown, but I'm going to get a little personal for a second, give a plea to our audience. Um, one of those teammates that Powell referenced in 2019 was one of our teammates here in Dallas. We weren't talking about these things in our office here like we do now. If you're not talking about these things as an organization, please do. Please do. That's well said, Jared. Well said. So well said. Yeah, one of the things I would tell you is um, we are, are keen on raising the awareness out there. I would tell you that um, I'm a cyclist and um, I like to do rides, you know, once or two, one or two big rides a year. And my brothers and I, I have two younger brothers, are going to do a ride in France this summer and we're going to raise money for brain health in America and in England and Ireland. And the goal is to give money to nonprofits that actually meet um, there in three areas. One would be research. Two would be education and prevention, and three would be in uh, treatment. And so we're raising uh, 
Our goal is to raise $6 million or more, $4 million in the United States, $2 million in England and Ireland. And we'll have a group of people, a couple brown and brown teammates, and then several non-brown and brown members. And we will have a certain requirement for the nonprofits to actually request funds, and they'll come through to that group or that board, and then they will allocate those funds out. And these are nonprofit uh, and donations. Uh, and so any in the United States right now, it's set up where it's all tax deductible. We are still working through the tax deductibility on the small contributions in England and Ireland, but anything over 2,000 pounds uh, is tax deductible uh, at the current, uh, in the current setup. And so we're, we're focused on it. So at Brown and Brown, that's not a Brown and Brown thing. We're doing it outside of Brown and Brown, but Brown and Brown is participating. They're going to sponsor, um, you know, uh, this uh, effort, but we've got a lot of other people that have already lined up and more to come. We, we have a website up. If you're interested, it's called shiftinggears.world. It's one word, shiftinggears.world. And so um, we're focused on it and we talk about it. And, you know, my goal is not only to raise money or our goals, uh, but it's more to raise awareness. So if we uh, you know, if somebody wants to get involved, which we would love for anybody to get involved, but I think part of it is, are you talking about brain health in your, in your operation? And that's a big hurdle that some people just aren't comfortable yet crossing that bridge. And we're trying to help people cross that bridge. Love it. Well, Paul, that comes on the heels of you speaking to our, our teammates recently about a cool book. If you haven't checked this out, uh, I'm openly halfway through, so please don't ruin the end of it for me. Um, <laughs> but I call it the comfort crisis. And in there, the couple takeaways were a general term called the Masogi, which I think had two general rules. One, it has to be really, really hard. And I think in the book- That's quite the word, by the way, the Masogi. Oh, it's awesome. Yeah. And the other, the other is that you can't die. That's the second rule. Besides that, I mean, that's, that's literally, this, this person ends up in the back country of Alaska and has lots of adventures, which i uh, excited to hear more. But uh, I think you spoke to us in a really unique way how and I think ties back to being comfortable or getting uncomfortable and what you've learned from that by exploring that book and even getting ready for this, this big ride up in the Alps. So thanks, uh, Adam. One, um, in the comfort crisis, the Misogi is something that is a physical, mental challenge that forces you to think differently. And uh, without giving up the book or the, the premises in the book, you know, we as an organization and a society are very technology driven. And so one of the things that I challenged uh, all of the people at the event to consider is how much time we use technology and does that have a direct impact negatively on our brain health? So they talk about in the book, uh, the average consumer of uh, iPhones or just cell phones, uh, looks at that little screen two and a half hours a day. And there's a big number of people, large group of users who are over four hours a day. And we basically, as you know, Americans consume digital media somewhere about 11 hours each day. That's computers, that's TV, that's cell phones, and that also has audio in it. So what I would tell you is this, Relative to the Masogi, as you said, 
Um, we looked for a big challenge and then wanted to do another event to raise awareness and money for brain health. That's the first thing. The second thing is, is when we think about um, doing something that's harder than maybe the normal, I think it makes us uh, think differently, act differently, and it challenges us. And so I believe as a growing and dynamic organization, we have to constantly and consistently explore things that we can make us better as an organization and individually so we can deliver solutions for our customers because it's all about our customers. It's always got to work for our customers. If it works out for the customer, it'll always work out for Brown and Brown. Um, having said that, I like people to understand the why. And, and the why is, you know now why brain health is important, but the why in terms of the Masogi is, I think it makes me, how do I get better as a leader to lead an organization of, you know, 15,000 people? And how does it help me become better leader when we go to 30,000 teammates and everything in between? And so we believe at, at Brown & Brown, people work with and for people. They don't work for companies. And so people see something in someone that they want to emulate. And so at, in our organization, what we try to do is we're not really caught up in, as you all know, in titles or whatever the case may be. I tell people I sell insurance if I met you at a cocktail party. Uh, and they say, what kind? Hopefully not life and health. And I say, well, we serve, sell health insurance and life insurance on a group basis, but it's commercial uh, mostly. But, but the important part is we're just trying to come up with the best solutions for customers of all sizes and shapes. And to the extent that um, people embrace things like the Masogi, it's definitely an interesting discussion topic. And it's a great book if you haven't had a chance to read it or pick it up. The author's name is Michael Easter. Um, but I try, to, I try to read a lot so I can ask the right questions of professionals like you as you're helping our customers. And how do we collectively get better as an organization um, so we can actually continue to earn the business of our customers? Hal, I have to ask. Who's the best biker of the Brown Brothers? <laughs> oh. Get comfortable being uncomfortable I'm with that question. <laughs> yeah, I would tell you that um, both of my brothers are strong cyclists. And so I would say right now, just because I've probably trained a little more, I'm probably a little stronger right now. That does not mean on an overall basis. Um, I think everybody's got their strengths. So how's that for a non-answer? <laughs> I love it. Well, it's a heck of a Masogi you have ahead of you, and it's very admirable. Is it 10,000 vertical feet a day? Is that right? Yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's, we're doing something called the Hoot, H-A-U-T-E, Root. And it starts in a town about an hour outside of Geneva called Majeve, France. And you ride 470 miles in seven days down to Nice. And it's a total of 66,000 vertical feet of climbing in that seven-day period. So it'll be quite the adventure. I don't think Peloton has that one as a ride. So <laughs> you really got to expand. That's, that's get comfortable. 
Awesome. <laughs> well, we appreciate you, Powell, joining us today. I think your perspectives are certainly quite eye-opening, and I think it really challenges our listeners to maybe think differently. And if anything, right, know that you set and lead a great example. And we collectively hope we are making a difference each and every day, not just at Brown and Brown, but with our listeners, with our clients, with our partners in the field. And we're excited for more great things ahead. So appreciate you joining us today. And we appreciate all of our listeners on the line and look forward to more fun things ahead. Thank you very much for the opportunity. Look forward to doing it again. Awesome. Be well, and thank you for joining us for another episode of The Benefits Breakdown. Thanks so much for listening to The Benefits Breakdown. We greatly appreciate it. This episode, in combination with our previous episode, titled Obesity in the Workplace, Medical and Pharmacy Strategies for Employers, is eligible for one Sherm credit. That code for Sherm credit is 23VHWSW. That's 23-V as in Victor, H as in Hotel, W as in Whiskey, S as in Sierra, W as in whiskey. Remember, this code expires after December 31st of 2023. Thanks again for listening. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe, and we'll see you next time on the Benefits Breakdown.